Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. This is my Bible. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word, reveal Jesus to me, and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask you a question. You ready? What is one of the main goals of the Christian life. Come on, don't be bashful. Shout one out. Come on, anybody got an idea? One goal. Be more like Jesus. Jesus. That's a good one. Make disciples. That's a good one. Anybody else? What's one of the main goals of the Christian life? Read Read the Bible. That's a good one. None of these are wrong. Want another one? Anybody else? Get into heaven. Woo! That's a big goal. Right? And we're going to get there. Anything else? Growing in Jesus. Right? That's a main goal. I think all of those are good answers. And there's, there's a few. There's a few goals that God has for us. And I want us to begin this morning's study by looking in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read out of the Amplified Version today. I just love the way that it reads. It's so uh, thorough and it's so helpful. I'm going to read Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. If you have a Bible and you want to follow along or you want to just use your sermon guide, I have the text there as well. Here's what it says. You ready? And His, that's referring to Jesus, His gifts to the church were varied and He himself, that's Jesus, appointed some as apostles, special messengers, representatives, some as prophets who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, that's you and I, for works of service to build up the body of Christ, the church. Now pay attention to verse 13. I want to emphasize this. Until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, Growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting or demonstrating His spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. Wow, if you ever want to know what God's heart is 
for the church family, what it's supposed to be doing, and one of the main goals for a believer, a follower of Christ. This text really does kind of fillet that open for us. This is a great portion of Scripture. I want you to notice that at the end of verse 13, it really, really leans into us. It says, I want you to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, demonstrating His spiritual completeness. In other words, Christ is the ultimate example. Christ is the model Christian, so to speak. Notice the words mature believer. Say those two words with me, church. Come on. Mature believer. The New King James says, I want you to get to a perfect man or woman. The word perfect doesn't mean you don't ever sin or mess up. That's another word for completeness or mature. As a matter of fact, I want to share with you the Greek word for mature. It's there in your sermon guide. Teleos. It comes from the root word telos. T-E-L-O-S. And that word telos means goal or purpose. It means adult, full-grown, of full age, as opposite to little children. Obviously, he's talking about spiritual adults, spiritual full age, getting beyond spiritual childhood and infancy. Here's a trick question. Don't be afraid to, to, to answer it because there's, there's, this is a safe place, okay? Is it possible to get older numerically, 25 years old, 35 years old, 55 years old, 75 years old, but not grow spiritually. Is that possible? It is possible. And God wants for us to avoid that. Can somebody say amen? He wants us to get a full age. He wants us to become spiritual adults. By the way, just so that we're on the same page, spiritual adulthood and maturity includes the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about that today, the power gifts, the revelation gifts, speaking in tongues, words of knowledge, prophecy. I'm not talking about that, but I just want to mention that's included. That's included. We don't want to forget that. So I'm starting a new series today for the next four weeks. And whoever's not here on Sunday is missing out big time because you guys are great looking and they need to be seeing you in person. And not only that, but they're going to miss this message. But we're going to send it out to people that aren't here. Here's the title of the series that God's put on our heart for Gastonia. Here it is. God's best in me. Come on, say it with me. God's best in me. And the subtitle is this. Developing Christ-like character. And I use the word developing intentionally because this is an ongoing progression. It's not something that you just kind of you master a week from today. It's not something you are automatically walking in in its fullest manifestation in a year from today. Progression, developing, ongoing Christ-like character. Now, what I'm going to do today is I'm just going to lay a foundation that we can build upon over the next three or four weeks. So I'm going to ask you a big question. Would you please consider not missing the next three or four weeks? If you have plans, I understand that. If something comes up, I get it. But if you're around town, 
don't miss because each week is going to build upon the previous week. And I don't want you to miss any of the building blocks. Okay. Now the overall target for this series is for each of us to understand and step into more than ever that the goal of the Christian life is to progressively become more and more like Christ in character and conduct. To influence people around us for Christ and bring honor and glory to God. That's the overall goal of this series. We're going to focus on discovering a biblical pathway that anyone can take to become more and more like Christ, develop Christ-like character, and let God, the Holy Spirit, bring out His best in and through our lives. The title of today's message specifically is this, God's goal for my life. Come on, say that with me. Say it with me. Come on. God's goal for my life. Here's number one, fill in the blank. And I have to add to it because the Holy Spirit corrected me early this morning. So if you have a pen, be ready because I'm going to make this a little bit longer. Number one, God's goal for my life. The goal for my life as a Christian is to progressively learn to let Christ live in and through me so that I reflect Him more and more. Here's the addition. You ready? And then help others to do the same. That's a mouthful. But I think it's a good goal. What do you think? Come on, can we say it together? Some of you are still writing. Let's try to say it together. Ready? The goal for my life as a Christian is to progressively learn to let Christ live in and through me so that I reflect Him more and more and then help others to do the same. Now, I didn't have that part on there. Obviously, you can see it. And then help others to do the same. I didn't have that on there when I did this last week. And this morning, early, I'm praying and I'm looking things over and I'm asking the Lord. And He says, that's incomplete. Because it's not just about me becoming mature. It's about me becoming mature. And while I am progressively becoming mature, I'm helping others around me to become mature also. By the way, that's a mark of maturing. It's not just all about me. Right? So, if that's the goal, what does Christ living in and through us look like? And so that we're clear, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, and I want us to look at two types of work that could take place in our lives. First, is the work of the sinful nature outside or disconnected from Christ. And the other is the work of Christ's spirit or Christ's nature that comes as a result of a relationship with Christ. Galatians chapter 5. Many of you are familiar with these scriptures, but allow the Holy Spirit to sharpen you and show you things that you may not see so easily. Galatians chapter 5. Verses 19 through 23, I'm reading out of the Amplified Version. I'm not going to define each word. I don't have time for that today. You can go back and study more on your own. 
Paul's writing to the church of Galatia, and I want you to know why he's writing. He's writing to them because there's some people that are coming in, and they're saying that the sufficiency of Christ is incomplete. What he did for us is not enough, and now you have to add works so that you can be justified and so you can be sanctified. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus is enough. But we still have to learn to allow him to live through us. And so he says here, Now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, total irresponsibility, lack of self-control. Just so you know, those first three, sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality, those are all sexual sins. I can't go through all of it. You guys know what I mean. You're adults. Marriage is the only place between a husband and a wife, by God, is where sex is supposed to take place. That's what the Bible says. I didn't make up the rule. That's what it says. Everything else outside of that is a sin. It's according to the scripture. Verse 20. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies. So all kind of stuff going on there, worshiping other gods. Let me just say this, sorcery. Sorcery was a big deal, spells and magic. We may not see a lot of witches, but there is witchcraft that happens today. I also think it's important that we know that the Greek word for sorcery is pharmakia, where we get the English word pharmaceuticals and pharmacy. And most commentaries would readily agree that sorcery includes today any type of use of drugs or alcohol that would alter, alter your thinking. That's not okay with God. Using drugs is... Now, some people have pain medication. I'm not going to get into the weeds. But we shouldn't allow things to be controlling us. Okay? And then he says in verse 21, envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like these. So this is not a complete list of the works of the flesh or the works that happen in a person that's not learning to let Christ live through them or a person that is not even a Christian. Now, it is possible for a Christian to be struggling with any one of these or more than one of these. It's very possible. And that's part of the progression to let Christ live through us and become more and more like Him. So if you're struggling with any of this stuff, don't feel condemned or guilty. That's why we're doing this. But there is also... The possibility that you're watching this and you're not even a Christian. Well, the bad news is you don't have any other way to live. Because this is your nature if you're not a Christian. You're stuck in a sinful nature. And we'll talk more about that later. Here's the warning at the end of this list. He says, I warn you beforehand just as I did previously. So Paul's talked about this before. A lot of stuff going on that he's mentioned before. Those who practice such things, you might want to highlight or underline practice. When he says practice, he doesn't mean doing them till you get real good at it. He means making these things a lifestyle and you don't even recognize them as sinful anymore and you just let yourself do them and you don't repent and ask God to help you turn from them. 
They're part of your everyday living. Those of you who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pastor Robert, what does that mean? I think it means two things. I think it means that you might not even be saved if you're just overly indulging in this stuff and it's just part of your life and you don't care. You're not turning. It's a possibility. You could be deceiving yourself and you won't get to heaven. It definitely means that. But I also believe it also means that if you keep leaning into this stuff as a Christian, you won't inherit the blessings and the grace and the favor and the intimacy of God working in and through your life on earth as it is in heaven. We just sang about that. Right? On earth as it is in heaven. God wants you to experience His blessing and some of His presence on earth as it is in heaven. But if we keep giving ourselves over to this, you won't. Or it will be severely limited. Does that make sense? Now let's get to the good stuff. Somebody say, all right, the good stuff. Verse 22, look at this. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us, is love unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is a beautiful list of the character that's available on the inside of us that comes through us as we're learning to grow and become more and more like Christ. So what is the fruit? Notice it's singular, not plural. It's not fruits of the Spirit, even though there's nine of them. It's singular. The fruit of the Spirit is that which God's Spirit does in and through us. Or we could say the fruit of the Spirit is supernatural, Christ-like character. It's not you, it's God through you. We could say the fruit of the Spirit is what comes from the Spirit of Christ in me. Now, some might ask Pastor Robert, okay, that's good, I need that. My spouse needs that. (laughs) My neighbor needs that. Well, I've got good news. If you're saved or your spouse is saved, You already got it. You say, I need it. But the truth is, you already got it. As a Christian, you already have it. That is the fruit or the character of Christ already belongs to you and is in you. You may not recognize that. You may not even realize it, but it already belongs to you. Let me just go through this list real quick, not in depth. The fruit, love, love. That's undefeatable, unconditional, and unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person no matter what he or she does. Now, most scholars believe that love is the main characteristic or the main fruit of the Holy Spirit which all the other Christ-like characters flow from. Love. That's the main fruit. And the other eight flow from love. Joy. 
Love showing cheerfulness or great delight. Peace. Love which gives rest in what Christ has done for you and I can add through you. Patience. Love untiring or never losing its strength. Kindness. is love enduring. Goodness. That's love in action. Faithfulness. That's love on the battlefield. stick to You're in faith and you keep showing up. You don't give up. Gentleness. Love under discipline. A disposition that is even-tempered, tranquil, balanced in spirit, and that has passions under control. That's gentleness. Self-control. That's love in training. It is control over your entire being or entire self, body, soul, and spirit. How many of you in here, just by a show of hands, can use a little more of one of these? <laughs> Come on, we all could, right? I'll lift up my feet too. Here's the second point I want to make, fill in the blank. Number two. The character of Christ is not something I have to earn or work for. As a blessing of being a Christian, Christ-like character already belongs to me. Oh, Pastor Robert, you don't know my spouse. I don't think that's a true statement. Hang in there. We're going un- to unravel this. Pastor Robert, you don't know, man. I fly off the handle. I need more than one of these flowing in my life. Well, flowing in your life and already being part of your life, those are two different things. I'm going to show you. Okay? Let's read this second one together. Come on. The character of Christ is not something I have to earn or work for. As a blessing of being a Christian, Christ-like character already belongs to me. See, what most Christians don't realize is that the Spirit of Christ, who produces Christ-likeness in us, He lives in us. And as God's people, we have Him in us. Isn't that true? And when He moved in, He brought the character or the fruit of Christ with Him. So we don't have to try to get it, that is the fruit or the character of Christ, but we do need to learn to access it and then live from it. We need to learn how to do that. I want to give you a practical example. I've got some pictures that I want to put up on the screen, but I want you to think about it this way. Let's say you buy a new house. And it's a fixer-upper, and you're going to flip it. You're going to fix it and sell it. And if there happens to be any buried or hidden valuables on the property, who do they belong to now? They belong to you. Why? Because you bought the property. Right? They're yours. They belong to you. You don't have to try to get them. They belong to you. Right? Now, this happens to a lot of people. For example, here's a picture of a dilapidated house that I wanted to show first. Sorry. That's okay. Check out. This is kind of a dilapidated house. We can't get any closer than that. This is one of those fixer-uppers. You know, investor will buy it, fix it up, and sell it. You know what I'm talking about, Doug. You've done that many times. So there's this lady named Tamara, and her husband, Andre, he flips houses like this one in Detroit. 
And doing a job like this, one would expect to find water damage, some termites, some dry old, old rusty cans in the backyard. What the, the Noskovs didn't expect to find was hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of rare art hidden on their property somewhere. And look at this picture. That's a picture of one of the pieces of the rare art. The next picture over. Hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of rare art that were found in their property hidden. They didn't know it was there, even though they owned it. But upon getting ready to fix it up and sell it, they came across it. Now they can use it. Now they can access the blessing that's going to come from selling it or auctioning it off or just keeping some of them and admiring them. How about this next example? This is the picture of the gold coins. In 2013, one couple was extremely lucky. Listen, they found $10 million worth of vintage American gold coins in eight rusty cans after investigating one that was sticking out of the ground in the backyard near a tree. So they're out there doing something in the yard. They see a can sticking out. They dig some things up. And they found a whole bunch of old, rare coins that were worth 10 millions of dollars. Then when they bought the property, the coins came with the property, even though they didn't know they had them, they still belonged to them. Even though they didn't know how to access them, they still belonged to them. They owned those coins because they owned the property. Does that make sense? Here's the point. That's all I want to show you as far as pictures What we have to lay hold of is the fact that like none of these people had to earn or try to get any of these valuables by ownership because they already belonged to them because they were on their property. So it is with the character of Christ. Christ lives in you. Therefore, his character already belongs to you. He gave it to you by the grace of God. You don't have to try to get these things. They're in you. They came with Christ when he moved in. Now, next week, we're going to start talking about the process and the pathway of accessing the character of Christ that's already in us. But I want us to be reminded of one of the most incredible Bible verses that speaks to this like a big, beautiful umbrella from God over us as his children. It's in Ephesians 1, 3. And 13. Remember, when the very Spirit of Christ moved in to your life, all of the fruit, all of the characteristics, let me put it another way, all of the blessings became yours. Look at Ephesians 1.3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ, God has given us Some spiritual blessings, depending on how good we are. Is that what it says? Christ has given us every spiritual blessing in heaven. Every spiritual blessing refers to all the conceivable gifts of redemption that Christians receive by being united together with Christ. It is the same with you. He says that in verse 13. It is the same with you. You heard the true message, the good news about the way God saves you. When you heard that good news, you believed in Christ. And in Christ, God put his special mark on you. Listen, 
by giving you the Holy Spirit that He promised. Who produces the fruit of the Spirit in your life? The Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit. You don't produce the Spirit of your life. I don't produce the character of Christ in my life. But I need to learn how to access it. But I've got to understand that all of the spiritual blessings, and if you read the list in Ephesians 1, he talks about the fact that you've been forgiven, that you've been adopted, that you've been chosen, that you're in love, that you're holy, that you're redeemed, you're forgiven, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing already belongs to you as a child of God. It's not a matter of how do I get it. It's a matter of how do I learn to access and use it so that I can become mature and more like Christ. That's what we're after. That's one of the main goals that God has for you. To become more and more like Christ. A maturing son and daughter of God. It's so important that we lay hold of that. Okay, Pastor Robert, if I already have been given the Spirit of Christ, and now I have His character in me, how, how do I access it? Here's the third fill in the blank if you've got a pen. You ready? I'm going to take some time here. I access the character of Christ in me and experience Him living through me through the process of becoming a disciple. Would you say it with me, church? Come on. I access the character of Christ in me and experience Him living through me through the process of becoming a disciple. What is a disciple? There's a lot of great definitions that I'm sure all of you can give. Let me refer us back to Matthew 28, 19. Some of the last words from the Lord Jesus Christ. Before He ascended to heaven. Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Nations means ethnicities. All the people. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. These are Jesus' words. Now I want you to notice this. This is important. And we'll get more into it later, but it's worth mentioning now. Jesus didn't say, build an incredible service and everybody's going to come to you. Did he say that? Notice what he said. Go. And as you're going, and while you're going, and through your going, make disciples. That's Jesus, right? Of who? Of everybody. Anywhere, anytime. Opportunities that you're given. We're supposed to be making disciples. Do you remember what the first point was today? The goal for my life as a Christian is to progressively learn to let Christ live in and through me so that I reflect Him more and more and then help others do the same. That's the making disciples part, isn't it? Can you see that? Now let me get to this. 
What is a disciple? Well, I want to explain a couple things. The word disciples in English in the Bible is the Greek word mathetuo, and it from mathetes. I know it's a Greek word, and you don't have to memorize it, but I want to share something with you I think is important. Mathetes is a follower of another's teaching. From manthano, it's in your sermon guide, which means to learn, and it's where we get the English word math, M-A-T-H, math. Manthano, to learn, being a disciple, indicates thought accompanying with endeavor. So it's thought accompanying with action, doing something. It's not just thinking something. It's thinking something and then doing something. That's a disciple. A learner or a follower who catches it in his mind and his heart. And then he follows through at the instruction of the Lord. And then he's doing something. Now this is interesting. Matheteo, the Greek word for disciples, must be distinguished from the verb Matheo, M-A-T-H-O, which is not found in the New Testament, which simply means to learn without any attachment to the teacher who teaches. So Jesus isn't saying, I want you to learn without any attachment from me as the teacher. He's not saying that. On the contrary, the word that he uses is communicating, I want you to learn while being attached to me as the master teacher. That's what he's saying. And disciple or disciples means not only to learn, but to become attached to one's teacher and to be his follower in doctrine and in conduct. Doctrine means teachings. So, Pastor Robert, that's a lot of big words. Can you make it simple? I'm going to make it simple. A disciple is a follower of Jesus who's attached to Jesus, who's learning Jesus' teachings so that it affects the way he lives, and then he's helping others experience the same thing. That's a disciple. Does that make sense? Why are, you, why are you making such a big deal? I'm making a big deal out of this because the word disciple is found 269 times in 253 verses in the Bible. It's an important word. It's an important word. Becoming a disciple in Jesus' mind and logic is the next step after you give your heart to Him. As Lord and Savior. That, that's what he expects. Now, this is important because, here's a trick question. If you know it, just feel free to share it. It's a safe place. Is it possible to be born again, to become a daughter or a son of God on your way to heaven and not be a disciple? Is that possible? Do you think there's a lot of those now, please hear me, church. I'm not sharing this to bring guilt or condemnation on any one of us, including myself, because I don't have this down. And the Lord is speaking to me about this. He's challenging me about this. I've been, I've been serving the Lord for 30 years, some of you longer. But the goal 
in serving the Lord is not just for me to get smarter. It's not for me to just preach better messages or teach better. The goal is to allow Christ to transform me so that his character is coming out of my life and I'm helping other people experience the life transformation power of the Spirit of Christ in their life. That's the goal. Now, it's possible for me to get really, really smart and a lot of Bible knowledge and to serve in the church and never really intentionally disciple anyone else. That's very possible. But I just don't believe that that's a biblical approach to New Testament Christian living. And I just believe I'm full of faith that God's going to give us a fresh vision to become disciples who are making other disciples. And I believe every one of us can do it. Amen? 269 times. Listen to these phrases. They're not all in your sermon guide, but I thought these were good. Um, Becoming a son or daughter of God is something God does for you. But becoming a disciple of Christ is something God does with you. Think about that. Becoming a son or a daughter of God is something... He does for you. You accept Him by grace. You're born again. You're a son or a daughter of God. He did that for you. Listen, but becoming a disciple of Christ is something God does with you. You're in partnership with Him. He's working in your life and you're leaning into His life and you're getting His power and His strength and then you're helping other people and you're learning while you're helping other people and getting back into His strength and His life. You're in partnership with the Lord as you're becoming a disciple. Here's something else I wrote down. One speaks of who you are. The other speaks of who you are and how you live. See, being a son of God speaks of who you are. You're a son of God. But being a disciple speaks of who you are and how you live. You're also a discipler. You're a disciple who's growing and becoming a discipler. Wow, okay, so Pastor Robert, are you sure God wants me to become a disciple? Can I just be saved and on my way to heaven and not do anything to impact anybody? You can if you want to. God won't force me and he won't force you. But you will miss out on so much of the blessing that comes as a result of being used by God to help other people experience Christ in a personal transforming way. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that speak to the fact that before you even accepted Jesus, it was his plan for us to do this. Look at Romans 8.29. I think this will be the last verse we look at today. Are you sure God wants me to grow and become more and more like Christ and allow his character to live through my life and help other people to experience the same? Are you sure? Romans 8.29 from the voice translation. Listen to what it says. From the distant past, His, God's, eternal love reached into the future. You see, He, God, knew those, that's you and I, who would be His one day. That's sonship. Isn't that true? When you accept Jesus You're a son, you're a daughter of God, you're his one day. Not everybody is his. Only those who receive Christ are his. He knew who would be his one day. And he chose them beforehand to be conformed to the image 
of his son. Conform means to be shaped, to be molded, to be changed into the likeness or the image of Jesus. God planned that. Before you said yes, he knew you would say yes. He chose you not just to go to heaven, but to experience some of heaven's blessings here. And he wants to change me. He wants to change you into what? Into the likeness of Jesus. How many of you believe that Jesus helped others grow in their relationship with God? That was his goal, right? That was his goal, was to help other people experience God. And so he wants for us to be conformed to the image and the likeness of Jesus. Image and likeness, conformed, transformed unto the likeness of Jesus. That speaks of maturity, spiritual maturity, and it speaks of discipleship. Not just me growing, but while I'm going, I'm growing. Going meaning to share God and His love with other people. While I'm going, I'm growing. Why? Notice the last half of this verse. So that Jesus would be the firstborn of a new family of believers, all brothers and sisters. Now, I know that that's a theological boulder right there. Jesus would be firstborn. Well, you have to remember, when Jesus died, he was buried for how many days? Three days. Thank you, Matthew. And then he did what? What is it called? It starts with an R. He was resurrected. When resurrection happened, he started, listen to me, he started a brand new race of people. What? I don't have time to go deep in that. But theologically speaking, Jesus was the start of a whole new race of humans that could now be right with God, holy before God, and having God's Spirit living in them and be in intimate relationship with Him like Adam was before the fall and the sin of mankind. So in that sense, Jesus starts a whole new family of believers. And now He's our elder brother. And God knew you would choose Him. And God foreordained and planned that you and I would be transformed and conformed and shaped so that we become more and more like Jesus. Pastor Robert, are you sure that's the goal? I'm 110% sure that's the goal. And next week when we come back, we're going to start looking at the pathway of progress and becoming more like Christ and developing the character of Christ so that He lives through me instead of me living through my own efforts. Amen? Have you been blessed by the Word? Stand up and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the teaching and the instruction of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would help us to internalize these truths and begin to do something new in us. Begin to help us to realize that it's not just about being saved. It's about learning to become a disciple, a follower, a learner, and one who helps others to do the same. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, before you leave, 
I forgot to mention, this is important. What do I do now? Like, I just heard this message, and I have these notes, but what do I do? Here's, here's what you need to do. If you really want to lean into this, here's your action step, okay? And it's super simple. It's up to you. It's on your notes. You have to make a decisive decision to not just be a Christian, but to become a disciple of Christ so that you can become more and more like Him and make other disciples in the process. That's your decision, not mine. Amen? So you got to make a decision to be more than just a Christian. I want to become a disciple. You have the definition there. Thank you for leaning in with me. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you soon. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.